0: Yeah, but that's the, the the no game plan encourages it because he's not getting into the game, he's coming out to get into the game. Yeah. And he thinks it's fine. He thinks it's fine because it's it's in his head that this is something that he does. He drops out in and around there. You don't drop in out and around there. Son runs past you and you come out.
1: Yeah.
0: It's not the same thing as just wandering out to have a chat with Declan Rice.
1: <laughs> this is Paul McGrath, you're listening to the Villa Podcast. <laughs>
0: Coleman, little dink into the middle. Oh, yeah. oh, what What As soon as I'm obviously on the pitch, I'm just um you know at my happiest. Yeah, I never win something for Portugal national team. But I
1: win tonight. <laughs> I don't know what. He can't take it, can he? He can't take it, he just can't take it because we've out him, we've outwitted him.
0: I'm so glad. Something uh, unbelievable uh, in my career. Uh, something that I that I deserve. You're playing international football. You're playing international football. Control the bloody ball. Pass it and move to your mates. And if you lose it, run back. And run back like
1: you care. A great game between two sides of the same standard. <laughs> That's what happens when two teams of the same level play each other. You get games like this two two teams going at, at each other, and like it must be said, great point for a plucky little England. Like <laughs> after after holding out for a win against Group Minos Croatia, like they've really put themselves in with a chance of qualifying for the last sixteen now. And I don't think anybody could have hoped for anything more coming into this tournament. <laughs> England, are uh, England, are, are exceeding all expectations, them. Like to be honest, I, I think you're right to bring it back to that
0: Croatia game because the performance of England against Croatia, the the fear from Southgate, the hand ringing after the game, and look, England won, so it's great for them, and you know, yeah, it's great result for a plucky little England. It's hard to argue with, but it's all put into context when you see Croatia against the Czech Republic, yeah, today. And you see that game tonight. I and mean, Croatia are shite. And England should have been galloping into this fixture. But the players England have available to them, they should just be brushing Croatia aside. I and mean, you can't be basing your assumptions on three years ago. Croatia are a different team. Modric is 35. Mandzukic is gone. Rakitic is gone. England were worried about their keeper in defence. Villa's <laughs> fourth-choice goalkeeper has 19 caps for Croatia. <laughs> <laughs> Dejan Lovran is the rock. And look, England are an entirely different beast now as well. Lingard's been replaced by Foden, Ali's been replaced by Mount, Jude Bellingham and Jack Rebus have replaced Loftus Cheek and Danny fucking Welbeck. Uh, Let's go. Think big. You're fucking England. You're the tournament favourites. What the fuck was that? <laughs>
1: Uh, one final thing on the Croatia game. It's it's not like you know, Croatia were were during that game crying out to be beaten. Like it's not like they they posed England any problems. They were there bent over, and England just passed the ball around and, and did nothing with it. Scotland tonight, England did the same thing. This is what we were saying at the time. England did the same thing. Only they met what what looks like a better team than Croatia. Definitely better set up tonight and more up for it. And they posing in way more problems. England did the same thing, which wasn't a lot, and instead, were lucky to get a draw. and the end they were, "Why are Scotland better than England?"?"
0: <laughs> it, 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 was, it was really quite an incredible performance from England. Runners from deep. That's it. Like it worked at times against Croatia, because Croatia weren't as disciplined. They weren't as fired up. They weren't playing for pride as much as for points. Croatia just thought they would win. They opened up. I mean, to persist with that approach for the entirety of the first half was... I I can't even give any other word. It's incredible. To come into the game with it is laughable. They had to have known that Scotland were going to set up like that. They had to have known that Scotland were watching the Croatia game. (laughs) Apart from that, it was also terribly executed. I mean, it's not... It's not just the manager there. The runs were too early and the passes were too late. The number of times you would just see four English players strung out across the forward line, Scottish lads up their arse. But the the English players then were just hanging around in there once they got there. They must have been enjoying the affection, the the physical connection, because they weren't getting any fucking connection from any of their teammates. (laughs) There was no second run after the pointless first. It was just one straight run, up through the middle, stop, turn around, watch Declan Rice pass it back to Mings. It was so hard to watch. It was like watching an episode of The Office. It was gobsmacking, (laughs) stomach-churning, but it wasn't fucking funny.
1: (laughs) And that is a really strange thing. If you take Sterling and and Foden as two examples, two Man City players who often face setups like this, and they don't just stand in either corner. They were like two like two kids playing corner four in Gaelic football tonight just standing there in the corner waiting for the ball to come to them you know they can offer something different if they if they start playing with all their players but, 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 but when they wear that shirt not just these two you know when these players wear that shirt it, it's I'm not saying that the shirt weighs on them and I'm not even going back to the England teams of the last 15 years I'm saying they just get lazy and comfortable and maybe it's a product of Not even trying to slag Southgate here. Like, the fact that you don't have a lot of time to coach these players. And then they just very lazily take that option of, well, Scotland, they're no threat to us here. Even though I'm not a threat to Scotland now, I'll stand here. And, like, nobody's going to do anything wrong. And nobody's going to have a burning effigy of them after this. And then you play out a nil-nil draw because you're not doing anything. Like, apart from that chance that Stones had, did England have any other openings? That was from a set piece.
0: No, they had fuck all. They were they were dreadful. There was one from Harry Kane. I think he might have been offside with a diving header, that he just didn't get right. Twice Sterling nutmeg the fullback to somebody who just hit it wide. Like, no, they were dreadful. Like the second half, it was just a load of players running out to get the ball from the lad in possession, running forward to where they were, and turning around and passing it back to the same person they got it from in the first fucking place. Yeah. Like I I cannot believe this is where England are at. After all this time. After all those supposed failures at major tournaments, all the lessons they've supposed to have learned. Like we we all know what needs to happen now. Let's get on with it. Get the next foreign manager in. Let's get the cycle going. Like (laughs) a, a modern, progressive continental manager. That's the cycle. Let's get on with it. Like failing that, they could just appoint a fucking manager. Yeah. Think about how low Hutchin and Neville have dragged England's
1: expectations. Well, That's so long so- that they hired Sam fucking Allardyce after.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, so- and so low after that debacle that Southgate is the England manager. Southgate's-, Southgate's untouchable because he beat a shite Sweden team and drew with a shite Colombia team. Yeah. That's what England did at the World Cup. And don't let anyone trick you into thinking they did anything else. That's what they did.
1: Yes, actually, if England didn't do that, that would have been a big failure of a World Cup. That would have just been as good as Hodgson or Neville, or, you know, they they wouldn't have done anything. They, They lost to Belgium twice in that World Cup. They played them in the groups and they played them in the third place playoff.
0: They played two teams and lost three games. That's what they did at that World Cup. Yeah. They played Belgium and Croatia and lost.
1: No, it's it's um it's worrying because like you're here now in the in the Euros like that's the thing it's like two games in and it's like ah shit they are shit it wasn't just a bad day at the office the last day and all the all the hype that we're building up around them it's it's, it's not hype it's real England have one of the best squads in the world they're ready to go and compete and like I, I know we're laughing because the cycle always was get a continental manager in. And then when that goes stale, he's not passionate enough. We need an English man in somebody who's got that that animation on the sideline. Then he comes in. Then it's like we're being left behind. We need to join the continental, <laughs> you know. And it <laughs> goes on and on. Sam Arase comes in. <laughs> you, know, you might get another fucking chance yet, but like this, a continental manager actually would really suit this team. Like imagine imagine Manchini in charge. Look how Italy are playing. So much verve. So much intensity and I mean on the ball I mean like drives to cut teams open just attacking veracity it, England England are 11 players now who are the shape of a manager who is thinking and worrying about conceding all the time like th- that, that's how they look and that's how they're playing and it is hard to get away from that from the players because like you mentioned Kane that one time that he was offside and he had a diving header There were a couple of times like I think Sterling was offside, and Kane is twenty five meters back. He's he's a striker like Rhys James has the ball, and the striker is twenty five meters back. And maybe, maybe that's a, a big problem with Kane just in general. And we'll get to him later. But like that, that also comes from how the team is set up and what the most importantly what the main objective of the team is and what they're. What their purpose is? What are they talking about building up to this game? Are they talking about sweeping Croatia and Scotland on the side? Let's get through this fucking group. Let's go, as you say. Or are they talking about, you know, we need Trippier left back here because what if Perisic happens to move over to the right? Is that the sort of shit that they're worrying about? And it seems to be that's what they are worrying about.
0: It, it absolutely is what they're worried about. It's pathetic. There was times when Kane was just dropping out into... Until left back, I saw him pick up the ball. Like, where are you going? Yeah. And this is this is the thing I'm talking about. It just became a case of they just didn't know what to do anymore. There was there was nine Scotland players. You must have been expecting this. <laughs> they just didn't know what to do. A bunch of lads running out to get the ball because they were sick of the ball not coming into them. It's okay to lose the ball trying to pass it. You're yeah. not going to lose it anyway. Just pass the ball quickly. If you pass the ball quickly enough, it doesn't matter how many Scottish players there are there. They can't get to it. You're all fucking brilliant. Pass the ball to each other. Kill it and pass it to the next man. Move around. Give your fucking teammates an option. Stop all standing there looking at the fucking spare dick in the middle of the pitch with a (laughs) ball at his feet.
1: (laughs) Um... We're winding each other up here now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's infuriating. And like we're going to have a whole section uh, in the next part, so we just bear with us. Let's talk about the one penalty incident. Robertson on Sterling. Do you think it was a penalty?
0: Like, the, the Alaba one was given, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, the, the, Alaba one, the Alaba one's annoying for the same reason as the Sterling one. It's, I think it's... The Alabama's one's more of a foul, definitely. It's There's more contact there. But he, he's running out of the box. He's going nowhere. It's just so annoying to concede the penalty in that situation. <laughs> and Sterling's over the sideline. The ball's gone. It's 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 unbelievably irritating if a penalty was given for that. But it's also so tame from Robertson. And you see Sterling's reaction. That just all adds into it. Adds into the how annoying it would have been for it to be given. If I was an Ireland fan, if I was an England fan... Sorry, if I was an Ireland fan and it happened to Ireland, I would absolutely be saying it was a stonewall penalty. And you are an Ireland fan, right? Yes. (laughs) If it happened to an Ireland player, (laughs) if
1: I was an England fan, I would be saying it's a stonewall penalty. (laughs) If I gave a fuck about Ireland. (laughs) That's not fair. Liam does give a fuck about Ireland. Um... Yeah, what I loved about that, and this is this is what I do, I actually want VAR to to bring this in, because VAR doesn't need to be on this search for relentless consistency, because you're not going to get it, not every match plays out the same way all the time, but there does have to be that element of, come on, you know, like, we, we don't need to say, like, yeah, he did, he, he did clip him, and like, yeah, Robertson doesn't need to do that, there was actually a stage before, us there and had the ball the edge of the box, and it, it just commented. into it. And Stuart Armstrong, who come on for Bill I don't know what Billy Gilmore was doing off the pitch. Like, he was flying. He, he looked like he wasn't tiring. He was so nippy across the ground. And then he brought on Armstrong, who actually did all right in the end. But hmm. the way he was standing up, Sterling, I was like, fucking relax. What are you doing? Sterling was just janking side to side, waiting for this big clumsy tackle. And it came from Robertson in the end. But I love that the referee was just like, nah, there's 10 minutes left. You're not winning this match from a fucking penalty. Get up. And you're going to have to try better than not to win this match.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've I've seen this referee before. I've seen him in Champions League games, and he fucking loves laughing at the guy who's been fouled. <laughs> Just nodding his head, saying, oh, did someone do an owie? Let's get on with it. And Scotland really, really took advantage of that in the first 15 minutes. That and the whole thing, there's no such thing as a yellow card tackle in the first 15 minutes. But I've seen this ref before, and I and I like the cut of his jib.
1: <laughs> Just finally, before we move on, and we will get into to Gar Southgate and all his decisions. What do you think of John McGinn? And finally, on Steve Clark's Scotland set up Scott McTominay at centre back. Um, whatever about McGinn, I thought I thought McGinn did all right, but he's supposed to be that that attacking influence like you know that that's what he'd been so good at for scotland and he he was tidy on the ball and he, he didn't play with fear or anything like that but he, he didn't give him that drive anyway he had one 40 yard shot that was blocked
0: <laughs> um but i thought <laughs> he am glad to, <laughs> i'm glad to fucking see he's not just doing that for villa pissing me off i'm glad <laughs> to see he carries that into every game of football
1: he plays well i'll just bring him up because we are on the villa podcast so we'll start with McGinn. again
0: yeah, McGinn was was much, much improved today. It's the type of game that suits him from a defensive point of view when there's so many bodies in there. He can dive in that if, if he doesn't win the ball back, he can. there's somebody there to cover for him. Yeah. And that was the perfect referee for him as well. I mean, McGinn had about five yellow card tackles in the first four or five minutes, I thought. <laughs> um, he, and he got away with a lot. He got booked for whinging as opposed to any of his tackles. Yeah. But McGinn was fucking dreadful against the Czech Republic. He lost the ball so many times for Scotland that it was criminal. And tonight, I thought he was really, really good. It's the It's the. It's the same reason now that next year I'll have to listen to every commentator talk about how good John McGinn is because he played well whenever English people were watching, <laughs> were watching and play the one Aston Villa game they see a season. John McGinn looks fucking lethal, and they talk about it for the rest of the season. But no, this will fairness- carry through to that
1: you mentioned this when we were talking about Villa needing a centre midfielder and things like that and, like, you know, what the upgrade will be next year and you had said that McGinn might be consigned to playing against the big teams <laughs> and, like, you know, you see that tonight. He definitely has that role and, I mean, like I think McGinn is so stubborn and so so much of a workaholic. I, I have a feeling that he'll still work his way into the, the Villa team next year no matter who they sign. That That's my gut instinct. That's what I want to see as well because, obviously, I like McGinn, but... Um, I think he'll definitely always have a role against uh, our, our fellow big six rivals.
0: Oh, look, I, Villa need to sign a midfielder, as far as I'm concerned, and a forward, and both of those signings will make John McGinn a better player. I mean, if you think, do you think John McGinn is going to accept having his position threatened? Is he? Fuck. John McGinn will be improved by not having just Marvellous Nakamba as the only other option behind him. <laughs>
1: I th- well, don't worry about that. Well, here's uh here's an option for us in the transfer market. Now that Bjorn Engels has departed or is departing, I've got somebody who can play centre midfield and centre back, and his name is Scott McTominay.
0: <laughs> I thought the first the first half Scott McTominay was an absolute disaster waiting to happen, and sure enough, the disaster happened numerous occasions. I mean, England were so shit, but they got in about three times with a ball over the top of Scott McTominay's head because he was just wandering back into midfield position. <laughs> it was like he forgot he was playing centre-half on four or five occasions yeah. to the start of that game. It was, it was fucking hilarious to watch as a neutral, kind of a neutral. It was it was enjoyable, and he was shite. And the second half, he got a lot better. I thought the, the game became a lot more condensed. England weren't trying to go in behind as much. They were just playing in front of them, and that made Scott McTominay's day.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a... It's, I don't know if it's a brave idea from Steve Clark, but I can definitely see what he's trying to do, and it's positive. Like He, he wants Tierney and McTominay there for when they do have the ball, and they can keep it and work it out from the back and start to create openings a bit more measured, but like, I just don't think... Uh, yeah, I I think you text me this, I don't think McTominay's that important that you need to shoehorn him in at centre-back just to get him into the team.
0: No, make the decision. Drop... McGregor or Trump, McTominay yeah. surely there's another centre back. It's definitely brave from Clark. It's I've never seen anybody else play two of the three like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's it's insane. And he got away with it a bit tonight. The tyranny was brilliant. He definitely got forward a lot more than McTominay But McTominy went into centre half against the Czech Republic. He was a fucking disaster there as well. Yeah. To start with him tonight, it's hard to say <laughs> if it was bravery or stupidity. <laughs>
1: Well, speaking of which, let's get to some Gareth Southgate C there.
0: We're going to start with the thoughts of the
1: Villa podcast.
0: Maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking lose to Legionnaire.
1: The lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand, I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character and he's probably being a bit of a twat to Mings all game he's nothing like that either is he he's a real he's like if you he's an I... unlikable character
0: like what if he's put on a foot Patrick Bamford can't skin you it's, it's not it's not he's not that type of player it's not in his game somebody put on a foot there I felt all the pain I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased one-eyed idiot block the fucking shot Fucking disaster. I just quite enjoy the hopelessness of the their grief
1: with it, those are looks like not that it fucking mattered anyway. Sure, we were beaten anyway. Not that it
0: fucking mattered anyway, Villa it was shite. Like there's there's nothing but space. Leeds are gonna be spanked a few times this season. Make no mistake about that. I mean, they're they're really well coached, they're really aggressive, they're really adventurous,
1: but the players are shit. The, the key
0: line is that we're, we're well coached um, and very aggressive, but our players are
1: shit. They're not either. They're not shit. I mean, that was great. That did have everything. The only downside, those brummy accents, though, really <laughs> go through you, don't they? Gareth Southgate, the whole of England is with you, metre... I've got a lot of things going down on this meter today. First one. Luke Shaw and Reese James coming in. Now, not for the fact that they're coming in, but for the reason. Gareth Southgate, like again, you know, people eating this up beforehand. He said it was for their technical ability, which will be important for this game. Get fucked. Just just go <laughs> away. Like you know, <laughs> you know, two two things on this. As if as if they wouldn't have been able to use that technical ability against Croatia. You know, they couldn't possibly have used it against them. And as if they wouldn't also be able to defend as comfortably as Walker and Trippier did against Croatia. Like, talk about overthinking. I know he's got options there, but who are your fullbacks? Sean James can do the job that Walker and Trippier did against Croatia. Like, you know, It's just, again, just this idea that, that Gareth Southgate is... Expertly navigating England through this tournament by trying to by thinking by, by thinking to himself, never mind saying it out loud to other people. <laughs> never mind the team as well. You're probably starting to raise some eyebrows that, that now they have to set up in a specialised way against Scotland.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure those two defenders would have been okay at defending against Croatia. It's it's insane. Stuff like Reese James is an absolutely Brilliant, brilliant footballer. And Luke Shaw was one of the best fullbacks in the country this season just past there. The the idea that they couldn't be able to play against Croatia is just utter, utter nonsense. But even at that as well, the idea that Kyle Walker isn't good on the ball is crazy. He plays for Pep Guardiola's Man City at right back. He would have been fine against Scotland. And Trippie is good on the ball. He's always been good on the ball. He's played for Spurs. He plays for Atletico Madrid. He could play at left-back if you wanted him to. Yeah. Ben Chilwell could have played there. Luke Shaw doesn't have any special technical ability. The The other thing is, as well, you're right to say that they're overthinking it, but Scotland only have one world-class player as well. So I don't think he fought it all the way through. If you do think that Kyle Walker is a better defender, maybe you want to leave him on for this game against Scotland's only threat.
1: Yeah. They're they're two only threats going down the same side, yeah, yeah. Like, and and that's it again. I'm not I'm not like getting at these players. This is actually a, a good example. So all the fullbacks are relatively the same standard, and but this is the sort of jargon that like the like of Grealish and and, and all the other boys have to face. Like you know, Southgate overthinking it thinking. Well, Grealish is good at cutting inside on his right, or you know, <laughs> rather than just playing his best players or the players that he thinks is best, he's thinking. He's now got it in his head because Reese James is good at crossing the ball. That yeah, he can't be trusted to defend the two times that they had to defend against Croatia. <laughs> Next one, going down. Leaving Jack Grealish on the bench for 63 minutes. <laughs> That's now 153 minutes of the tournament that, that Jack Grealish has missed. And do you know what I'll say on this? When Gareth Southgate was in trouble tonight, His first port of call was Jack Grealish, the man who wasn't deemed worthy enough to be one of the 15 players that got a game against Croatia. Like, the mask has slipped now. Like, there's no more playing it cool. No more playing hard to get. At the first sight of a problem, that's who you went to. That's who you turned around and begged to take you back. Can you get me out of this predicament? Can you save me from a fucking life of loneliness? You know, like if Jack Grealish isn't that high in your pecking order, and then when you are actually in trouble, like that just proves that you know, like Gareth Southgate actually knows that's the worst about it. Now we were judging him for for not realizing how good Grealish was, but obviously he does. He, he realized that we are playing shit here. I need to get, I need to get the best possible option on here. Who will I bring on? It's Jack Grealish, the man I didn't deem good enough in the last game.
0: Yeah, and the 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 fact even that he said that about Shaw and uh, Reese James proves it as well. It proves that he knew he knew what to expect. So the fact that he did nothing about it is all the more baffling. He knew he needed people who could pass the ball around, who could keep the ball, who would be confident on it. But he still didn't set his team up to do that, and he didn't pick his best player to do that either. He didn't pick the player that he needed to unlock it. The only player who was any good in the first half was Mason Mount. He he died a complete death in the second half, but he needed players like the head on the pitch and he needed fucking Jack Grealish because Jack Grealish has it all. He has what you think Raheem Sterling has and he also has a lot more. He's got a lot more vision. He's got a lot more through balls in him. He's, he's got much more ability to slow the game down, to speed it up. And this idea that Raheem Sterling is, is good and behind is such bollocks. Raheem Sterling is the slowest player I've ever seen in a football pitch. Talk <laughs> about taking any momentum out of an attack. Christ almighty. That young fella's whole year just loves getting the ball, stopping and not doing anything. Stopping and pretending, looking like, threatening, like he's going to go past the fullback and then not doing it. He has been dreadful for the last 12 months, and Jack Grealish has been one of the best players in Europe. Play Jack Grealish.
1: Yeah, that like that's actually next on the list. Um, of going down on this meter is leaving Sterling on like it's such pointless running in behind. You're right to mention that because he <laughs> he sharp, he gets free, he gets the ball in behind, and he waits for everybody to come back. It, not not just the player marking him, but seven other players to set up the defense, and the whole sting comes out of it. Like he's got no no directness anymore. And do you know what I noticed about Sterling? His runs are actually a bad thing. Like, so I would say his off the ball running. Right, it's it's good. It's probably the best thing about his game at the minute. But it's also the worst thing about his game because what it's doing is encouraging players to play at him. <laughs> and then that's ruining the attacks because it's going to him. <laughs> or it's either going to him in an offside position or it's going to him and he's pulling back, slowing the attack down essentially yeah. after looking so sharp. Or... He just gives it away carelessly, like I've never seen a man who 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 who's such abandoned with possession like and not in a good way like we love people who take a risk, but he's not taking a risk he's just poking the ball away most of the time he's he's trying to play a one two with somebody when it's never on or he's never going to get it back he's 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 trying to not make somebody when that's not on it's it's just such carelessness on possession and 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 you're right like we've had we've had twelve months of evidence to expect this but southgate didn't
0: yeah and people just need to think about over the last 12 months how many times have you seen raheem sterling's face looking pissed off yeah far too fucking often the camera is just continuously panning back to him after he's lost the ball or the ref hasn't given him a free kick yeah that's the two and he just looks so angry either with himself or with the referee. And it's happened so often this year. I'm sick of the sight of him. And I used to really like Raheem Sterling. Obviously, for those two years where Man City were unplayable, Raheem Sterling was just an absolute joy to watch. And people talk about Pep Guardiola picking Gundogan for the Champions League final. The fact that Sterling came back into that team went really under the radar for a bad decision. Because Pep Guardiola had made the big call in the lead-up to that. He had dropped Sterling for some big games in the running. And he needed it because Sterling was playing dreadfully. And in fact, they brought him back in for the Champions League final. Fuck City just as much as not having a midfielder on the pitch did.
1: Yeah, yeah. And like it fucked Foden, who was playing so well on the left as well. It was just uh, it had such a knock-on effect. And again, City weren't as bad for it. But like when you see Sterling free, you'll play at him because that's what good players do. You see somebody free, you play the right pass. But it's not really the right pass in this case. Mm. And that leads into the next point on the meter, another one going down. Like Gareth Southgate, the whole of England is with you, meter. Bringing Foden off to get Grealish on, like they, this is a frustrating thing that bad managers do all the time. Like when they try to rectify the thing that they've gotten wrong, they <laughs> they take off somebody you don't want them to take off. Like Grealish and Foden should be on the same pitch together. Like Foden was the one player, and I know he had it died out but the game had descended into chaos at that stage. Scotland had twenty five minutes to hang on. you know, like that that was such a it was it was a way simpler job for them. Like it was just everybody backs to walls. Let's, you know, let's we're close here. Let's let's get this job done. Let's foul people. Let's be rough. Like England are shitting themselves. The fans are on their back. They needed Foden and Grealish in the same team. Like throughout the game, whenever they did look dangerous, it was Foden who who was showing any signs of of, of cutting them open, but Mount was alright Mount was like, decent Um but Foden was the one who was offering something different and it would have been great to see That would have been great to see Grealish Mount and Foden together
0: do you want to win this fucking game or not it's England against Scotland you're taking off a forward for a forward what the fuck are you doing you have to score you're playing at home you're the favourites for the tournament get Phillips off the
1: pitch <laughs> So, so just on that the, honestly the next point on this is leaving Phillips and Rice on the whole game fucking pathetic let's just get going
0: come on you've got all this talent at your disposal try to win these games Scotland are out playing you and, and I know there's a big risk that you won't beat Czech Republic in the next game if you fuck this one up so you have to cling on to your the point against the mighty Scots fucking grow up yeah. Take the game to Scotland, change
1: it around. You're embarrassing yourselves. But that's the whole point as well about Phillips and Rice. Then on the whole game, like the, the, I assume the argument is that would leave you too open. But you're not controlling midfield anyway. Like yeah. they're, they're not doing that job that they're there to do. So you, you surely have to change that midfield. didn't th- did not one part of his thinking think. Why don't they try Foden back there? Like you, or let's go four-three-three. 3 like, wait, why, why don't we put Mount back there? Like these players have played there. Grealish has talked this week about enjoying playing in a number eight role as well, as long as he said, as long as there's three in the middle. Like you know, so why, why is he not trying? that? Is is he chasing this game or not? It, he's obviously not. They made two subs tonight. They were fucking dreadful. They made two subs and they brought, they brought off. They brought off Foden and Kane. For Rashford and Greedish. Like, unbelievable. Like go back to it, Sterling stayed on and he brought off Foden and he kept on his two defensive midfielders as England petered to a halt against Scotland.
0: But just think about what that would have said to Scotland as well. You know, if John McGinn sees Phillips going off and Greedish coming on, he knows the game is fucking changing. Yeah. He knows that something different is about to he's about to encounter something a hell of a lot fucking different. Scotland are going to take a step back fuck there's four forwards on the pitch now but no they just let Scotland keep going keep being brave keep running relentlessly at them change the game
1: control the game I've got one thing going up on the metre before we move on going up a clean sheet against a superior Scotland side <laughs>
0: Look, the O'Donnell volley was was really really good, and it was a really good save from Pickford. But we all know what that means. That just means there's a howler
1: coming in the next game. <laughs> I, we're, we're on to the Rossenthal Award here now. So um, the Ronnie Rossenthal Award. I, I, Jordan Pickford's Tinder profile looked attractive today. Like that was <laughs> that was a good save, and and yeah, like not only a good save, good reaction, and actually at the at the start I was like, mm, was it that far away from him? it was. Decent enough distance away from him that it was a good save, and he got it up uh, away from Shea Adams's head then, as well as strong hands. So Ah, he
0: could have put it straight onto Shea Adams' head; that wouldn't have mattered.
1: <laughs> well, well, another nomination: Shea Adams' a slice at the back post, lovely ball over the top. There it is, banging in, and he's not even hit it over; he's just sliced it wide. Oh, hit.
0: hit off his ankle as well from the from the actual TV camera angle. I thought he just drilled it. And I thought the commentators were being harsh on him, saying maybe he could have side-footed it. I was like, ah, the angle's so tight. He has to just absolutely roof that. But Jesus Christ, he also has to connect with a ball. (laughs) Uh,
1: Dykes off the line, but it wasn't even off the line. It was going wide. (laughs) that was there to be scored and... Yeah, he just he just gave Rhys James all the time in the world to get back. I don't know. I think that's
0: bending back in. I think it's a. Uh, I think there's questions there. I think it's it's incredible from Reese James. Absolutely incredible. I mean, Dykes cat. I think Dykes catches it so well. Uh, James is at the corner of the six yard box as it's being hit, and he gets back to get it off.
1: Maybe off the post. I think it's going off the post. I, I, I uh, off the outside. Maybe you're right. Like I was trying to track the flight, and then James's big head gets in the way, but. <laughs> But yeah, I just I think if he was just smashed that tighter to the net, and it's just going in. He should be roofing that, and it it just it just seemed like it took him a long time to to turn on. And I think he missed the chances before that, and it was like, ah, is this boy going to fucking do it or not?
0: Of course, he's not going to do it. <laughs> Queens Park Rangers is dikes. What the fuck were you expecting? Of course, it took him a long time to turn.
1: I did have to look him up during the game. I'm not going to lie. Uh, the only one for England the only nomination John Stones off the post bad header should be scoring Like the, the replay of that just made it look so bad he's facing the wrong way it's like he's, he's it's like he's trying to aim it it's like he's trying to aim it out for a throwing and it's it's hit off his head wrong and hit the the inside of the post
0: yeah and he's really changed his game this year he's been brilliant brilliant at getting into the box and scoring goals for City and Jesus Christ Scotland and the old cliche is a cliche for a reason you're playing against a better team. Do not concede from a set piece. Yeah, Make them beat you. And I always find the best way to do that is to not let the opposition's best header of the ball have a radius of five metres around him that has <laughs> only got air in it. And that was criminal. It was just a cross as well. It was yeah. just a cross from the corner. Like nothing clever. No movement. John Stones wasn't made free by a load of England players blocking off. John Stones was just free in the middle of the box, and he fucked that up. That is comfortably the winner of this award.
1: 100 percent! Because for for so many reasons, yeah, you're like you're right. He was so free; like it, it was jarring that 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 happened from a set piece early on. And also, like it's it's a bad it's a bad miss for that reason. But it's that's that's the winning of the game, surely. Like you know, like that's that has to go in. Not to say that. Scotland still played well, so I don't think they would have had to change too much of their approach. But it just it'll just relax England. They're they in the lead. They can I don't know. They still might have ballsed it up, but it's like that. That has to go in. Like that's your chance, and especially when it's your only chance. Then yeah, you win this award.
0: Ah yeah, if that, if that goes in, England win the game. No doubt about it.
1: The Gary Neville Maguire is England's most important player. Worst pick, <laughs> Worst take award. Rio Ferdinand before the game this was yesterday he said it on um, on BBC's coverage or ITV one of the two <laughs> I'm showing my Irish colours here now we will win easy two or three goals
0: Jesus Christ what about yeah. call oh, that so oh,
1: dismissive like.
0: so dismissive but to be honest I, I, I saw Scotland play against the Czech Republic I believe the hype about England. I thought they came in rusty. They gave Croatia far too much credit. They're a better team than this. They'll, they'll be able to beat Scotland. They'll
1: beat them comfortably. I well, I can I can add you into this list as well for what you were saying on Tuesday. You were saying the Scotland's tournament was over. I think
0: we'll play the tapes back at some stage. I'm sure all of us together collectively can do that. Play Tuesday's tapes back.
1: Nah, we but, don't need to do that. Um... <laughs> Not in fairness, and they're alive and kicking now. Like our our prediction was that you know Croatia don't look that good, so they might be able to get something against them, and then who knows what will happen. But but like four points would take them a long way. So if they do get that win, then yeah. yeah, look, it's
0: it's an all or nothing game against Croatia. But you know, and nobody should be under any illusion about how fucking brilliant Scotland played tonight. I mean, we're giving England a good doing because they deserve it. But for a team of one top player and two or three. Good players, that was that was brilliant. The balance, the connections, the effort to be so tight but also create so many opportunities was was just incredible. The effort to put in to get up, to help out their teammates whenever they had the ball and to get fucking back and get back into shape so quickly was so admirable. And I'm not sure when the Croatia game is, I assume it's in four days. Tuesday. You- you would ju- you, you, you might just be a bit worried about the effort they put into that game tonight to be able to come back and, and beat a scarred Croatia team
1: well do you know what it's actually on the 5th anniversary of Ireland beating Italy
0: <laughs> I'm sure the Scotland players will be bringing that into the game with them <laughs> guys do you remember whenever that other country who we have nothing to do with beat an Italian team who had already qualified and dropped all 11 players we can do that against this Croatia team who are desperately trying to qualify as well.
1: <laughs> are Such you forget- an easy
0: team talk. Steve, I hope Steve's writing this down.
1: Are you forgetting about the symbol of friendship that Scotland and Ireland offered each other ahead of some fucking game a few years ago? I've oh, never... Yeah, like, right, yeah. Honestly, it was the worst experience of my life sitting in the Aviva Stadium in Dublin, watching... Uh, Ireland play. <laughs> <laughs> they were bringing out like flyers for each other and uh, the PA system was like as a symbol of friendship that exists between the two nations I was like what is this fucking nonsense well they weren't
0: going to be giving each other any football on tips
1: <laughs> second nomination for the worst take award Ronnie Whelan on Irish TV quote Tyrone Mings wouldn't normally do that for Villa as <laughs> Tyrone Mings fucking lumps the ball 80 metres into the sky and and high over the striker.
0: Yeah, you can just add Ronnie Whelan to the incredibly long list of people who don't watch Aston Villa (laughs) play football. (laughs) Uh,
1: Last nomination and definitely the winner. Paul Merson. Quote, If Grealish rips it up, then Southgate will be under severe pressure to pick him again and he doesn't need that pressure. (laughs) So, Paul Merson is basically saying that Southgate is right to not start Grealish because Grealish could turn out to be his best player and then he'd be under pressure to play his best player again. And like, you yeah. would not want that as a manager, would you?
0: No, no, no one could survive under that sort of heat. That's just the sort of pressure that would make him wilt. Imagine, imagine finding out that you've got a player who's better than the other players that you have. <laughs> That would just be devastating. How could he ever, how could he ever recover from that? People would be saying pick Jack Grealish. The other thing about this is as well, people are already saying it. Southgate has already picked Jack Grealish. Grealish yeah. has won man in the match five times for England. But <laughs> Southgate just seems to be immune to that.
1: There's a brilliant picture going around online. <laughs> it's a. Uh... The guy who points Grealish, the scumbag, who points Grealish for the Birmingham fan. And he's wearing a Peaky Blinders hat. And then there's a picture, it just shows you a picture of him from behind pointing Grealish. And then there's a picture of Southgate in the stands wearing a Peaky Blinders hat. <laughs> 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 that explains everything. Ah, oh, it's fucking, it's, it's bizarre. Like, it is bizarre. He, he will, he will begrudgingly have to use this player. Like tonight, he'll only turn to him when he when it's needed. He didn't turn to him in Croatia when it was needed to kill the game, but he just didn't did need it because Croatia weren't good. They weren't under pressure. They were under pressure tonight and he, through grit of teeth had a call for him. It's 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 so strange. Like, just don't bring him into the squad if that's what you want. But like, the fact that he's in the squad, you've put yourself under more heat now.
0: Look, it's, it's time for English media, English ex-players, English fans to, to let it go I and mean, be happy about the memories. Going deep in a World Cup is great, but you did that in spite of Southgate and because of the draw. But in spite of Southgate is the, is the is the key here. This team is now something to genuinely be excited about. You have a real chance and eighteen months to build from the World Cup. Don't let this lad hold you back. You're better than that. You, you could you could blossom if you. Just get out of his shade, find your confidence, your own voice, take those glasses off, let the hair down. Oh my god, you're beautiful, England!
1: <laughs> but honestly, like, think of England in big terms because that's the way they should be thought. Like, they, they should be one of the tournament favourites. So, imagine this was. But they are!
0: I mean, they're the favourites! That's the fucking most baffling thing. So they're playing
1: as if they're Scotland. So, so, that's what I'm saying. Imagine they're France, like who. who Probably, I assume they're the next tournament favorites. And imagine France were playing this way. You, everybody, like all of us, all everybody in Ireland, everybody in England, would be like, Jesus, the French are not too much like because you have to consider how many, ch- how many chances of England created in the last two games. Honestly, very few. How, how, how potent have they looked? And who have they played? Fucking nobody. Like it's, it's. I'd say all those other teams now—Belgium, Portugal, for all the teams, Italy. These teams who are showing up well are looking at England, thinking, "Ah, right—that it's it's this England who's shown up." Like we'll, we'll worry about them in a year and a half time. We don't need to worry about them this summer.
0: Oh, the Eng- england are done. As soon as England play a team of quality, they're gone. That's yeah. it. That, that that is that is so clear now. It's it's just it's the same thing. I thought this might have been different I was so annoyed that such a shit manager had been handed this team because not because you know you can't build a team at international level you've got the players you've got and I was so annoyed that Gareth Southgate was dealt this hand he was just given two pocket aces but he fucked one of them over his shoulder
1: so <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paul Merson wins that award Ireland at Euro 2012 just fucking go home award <laughs> Harry Kane <laughs> no I'm not saying that Harry Kane should just go home I'm not saying if I was his manager I would send him home but there is a quite, like it, it does interest me I remember after the Croatia game and like I just thought this is just typical England at a big tournament you know all like millions of eyes are on them like England they're, this is why we spend so much time talking about them they're you know, they're big time like it, there is a big time field every time England are involved especially in a big tournament and you know, Kane, who smiles away their, their best strike option, but after one game it was like the criticism was there for him, because he wasn't good, he didn't do anything, and then tonight he's getting brought off, like the captain, the, the, the main striker, and he wasn't good, so it's poking me question, I'm not saying he should just fucking go home, but the question is, is he undroppable?
0: No, so there's an interesting thing that's happening with England, and doesn't happen with Spurs, think about Spurs' forward line it's, a, it's an entirely different system Kane is the only person capable of playing number 10 for Spurs so he drops into that position and is loving it and there's been so much hype around that people talk about it so much be under no illusion about how stupid some people are that that will just feed into their head they'll try to create the narrative they'll try to create the story themselves instead of just letting it come naturally that came naturally into Kane's game this year he had Sawn and Mora bombing either side of him, so it worked so well. But that's not what this England team is. England have three players behind Kane who would all love to play in the number 10 position. So the last thing they fucking need is Harry Kane dropping down into the number 10 position. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Harry Kane floating out, out to left back, like I said, picking up the ball. Picking up handy ball. Who are you going to pass it to now, friend? You're whooping yeah. this across the pitch to your, the other fullback. Luke Shaw's just standing next to you a waste of fucking time. And the other thing is, we all know that Harry Kane can play as a number nine. So stop dicking around. Play like that for Spurs when it suits the team. Play as a number nine for England.
1: He, he played like that for Spurs. Like he won top goalscorer this year. Like he played like that for Spurs and did it naturally. Like it actually almost graded with me a little bit because I thought Kane always had this in his game anyway. Like everyone talked about, he's, he's evolved his game now. Like he obviously did it way more and he positionally, like. Obviously dropped deeper more often. But like Kane was always a, a good on the ball. He was always good for a pass. He was always good to drop when when the opportunity presented itself. Because what that also did, it, it made the defence guess. It, it made them worry because you had two whippets going in from the wings and going in behind. But then it also gave the centre-backs and the centre-midfield a fucking headache. Because it's like, who's picking up Kane here? And then it, it frees him up. He's coming back, he's playing it. But most importantly, he's getting back in to lead the line because, like you say, he's a number nine. And that's exactly where England, they have they have Mount and Foden there. And well, maybe Grealish, who knows? They might might use him a bit more. Like, they have all those players. That Kane needs to fuck off and lead that line because otherwise, these boys are feeding nobody. They should be feeding one of the most lethal strikers in Europe. But, like I mentioned that, that that offside of Sterling's. Like, if you go back and watch it, like, it, it's criminal. How, how far Kane is behind, but how little he's trying to get back up. Just, like, that has to be automatic for a striker. He has to... Like, every time he passes the ball off, it needs to be, I'm getting into the box or I'm leading the line again. I'm being the furthest man forward. And I don't know if it's... Yeah, if it's a deliberate thing. I don't I don't think it's arrogance. But, like, it's... It's definitely lazy, and it's definitely it's definitely hindering him.
0: Yeah, but being that person who drops out and passes the ball around and controls the game is like a drug. Being the player who does that in a team is really, really, really difficult to let go of. Kane needs to let go of it for England. Or when he does it, you're right, he needs to get back into the fucking box. He needs to get that hunger back to score a goal. Harry Kane picked this up in his game five years ago, where he realised, oh wait, every time Salah gets the ball, he's shooting. Every time Ronaldo gets the ball, he's shooting. And they're shooting the fucking lights out. And it it doesn't matter if their ratio shots to goals ratio is going down because their goals are going fucking up. Yeah, And they're also making the other team panic, which we've talked about loads of times before as well. And Kane started doing that. He needs to get the hunger back to score goals. He needs to get the hunger back to lead the line for England.
1: Yeah, and in fairness to him as well, though, and it shouldn't be forgotten, he also needs a system not designed around him, but he needs he needs managed like when that's happening in yeah. the first half especially like Southgate needs to rectify it. I needs to rectify it in the training pitch now. Like it, it, getting your striker into the game is an important job, and his touch count is pathetic. Like it is pathetic how little he's he's involved in these matches. Like I yeah. always I always go back to to when Villa played Spurs on, on under the the Haiti of of Tim Sherwood I reference Tim Sherwood far too often on this podcast
0: it's grim alright yeah. but,
1: but there was a there was a stat at, they, won, they won 1-0 I think it was at White Hart Lane and Benteke had 70 odd touches he had the most touches in the game like you know more than the, the keepers and everybody else And but it was because everything was going through him like that was obviously what Villa should be doing because he was by far and away the, the best player at that time and they, they made sure everything went through him and it made them more dangerous and push the other team back all the all the simple stuff that we know that happens when you're bringing a striker into the game and when you have one of the best strikers in Europe he needs to be bringing that out he shouldn't be letting him drift around like that's- yeah but that's
0: the, the the no game plan encourages it because he's not getting into the game he's coming out to get into the game yeah. and he thinks it's fine he thinks it's fine because it's, it's in his head that this is something that he does he drops out in and around there You don't drop in and around there Son runs past you and you come out yeah not the same thing as just wandering out to have a chat with declan rice <laughs>
1: yeah questions we can't answer but probably will wheels aren't really going to bring back ryan gigs now are they <laughs> oh god i hope not I mean, like, Jesus, Rob Page must have this sewn up. Like, there must be conversations now, thinking, Jesus.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: but, this guy's doing all right.
0: Yeah, And isn't it great that they're doing so well? Like, they were well, well worth their draw in the first game against Switzerland, who, let's be honest, have been the most overrated team in the world for the last 10 years. I mean, they have been gaming the coefficients to make sure they're highly ranked in the qualifying draw which makes sure they qualify for major tournaments, which makes sure they're highly ranked for the qualifying draw, and it goes on and on. They've been knocking around the top 10 in the world rankings in world football, never been past the last 16 in the World Cup or the Euros. So let's all just collectively agree, and this is something that really annoys me, let's just all collectively agree now to stop referencing the FIFA world rankings. Let's stop saying Belgium are the number one ranked team in the world. It clearly doesn't fucking mean anything. And Switzerland are your evidence of that. But Wales, they, they gave Turkey. Turkey, the second spanking of the tournament, missed a penalty along the way as well. They were brilliant against Turkey, but Turkey, low, I mean, they have to be the worst dark horse since the Black Beauty remake, this Turkey team. And it comes back to what I always implore of people who are going to speak out loud about football. Watch football first. Just watch football. Remember what you've watched and bring that into your next conversation. I, I mean, if you're saying they have a strong squad and then your next sentence is just listing Soyuncu, two fourth-choice centre-backs who you're only naming because they're being paid by big clubs, Chal and Anglu, I mean, like forget about that, lad, and a soon-to-be 36 year old centre-forward with a good career behind him. If that's your next sentence, and don't utter the first sentence. <laughs> Turkey are shite. How the fuck were they being talked up before this tournament?
1: There's always one, isn't there? it's all—it's all, usually an Eastern European team that we you know nobody knows about, but they've they've heard enough in the grapevine that they're, they're they're confidently like this is the equivalent of people giving you tips for Cheltenham and they don't have a fucking clue. They're just this... standing on what they've heard
0: this is equivalent of Alex Ferguson telling everyone to stick a fiver on Serbia for the 2010 World Cup <laughs> knocked out in the group stage just like Turkey
1: but the, did I hear you mention a 36 year old a soon to be 36 year old <laughs> because I've got another question we can't answer is Ashley Young just going to be a crabbed old man surrounded by all these young ones in the village changing room so like, we we heard our thoughts on Tuesday just before the signing was made. Like we're we're delighted with it. It takes it takes a box of Villa needing more leaders, it takes a box of needing left back cover, he's also right back cover. And it takes a, a very exciting box of another option as a wide attacker. So like it made all the sense in the world to bring Ashley Young in on a free transfer. And he's come home and he's talking like I love this interview, Now, I am a sap for this stuff, but He's talking there about uh, this you know almost doing it, you know, when they was there for four years on their on their own like, you know, almost like really achieving something. They were obviously top six for three years in a row. And then he immediately was able to speak about the 2010 League Cup final, the one village should have been sent off in to quote him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Yes, it's not just it's not just me that's still hurting from that, Ashley Young is still hurting from that. <laughs> But then I, had a thought. <laughs> then I had a thought that he's 36 in July. Villa are the youngest squad in the Premier League. So I went in to see, hang on, there must be somebody he can hang out with in that team. But no, all the other 30-year-olds, Heaton, El-Mohamedy, Neil Taylor, Langd, Langd, Langd. They're all <laughs> gone. <laughs> they're all gone. The next closest to Ashley Young is Emmy Martin at 28. Hang so on, hang played, on.
0: The next closest to Ashley Young is Big JT.
1: <laughs> JT's gonna fucking love it. <laughs> Somebody else to hang out with. But um, Emmy Martin is twenty eight, and he's uh, just shy of eight years younger than him. Like that's that's a that's a tough change room for poor Ashley.
0: It is, or or it's a really easy change room for him, and a really useful player to have knocking around in there. Um. Ashley Young is it's it's undoubtedly a good it's a good signing. It's think it's not exactly what I was after, but we're not done yet. We might sign a few other lads
1: closer to Ashley's well, age. That's it. It just it just made too much sense to not do it. Like yeah, i like mean that. That's it
0: exactly. And I and I still want another centre midfielder that walks into the team and another forward that walks into the team. And I mean two players that will start games for every team yeah. outside of City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Man United. Maybe just at the minute. I mean, it shouldn't be too hard to imagine getting a player at McTominay and Fred's level, but you know what I mean. And <laughs> that's the best way to improve your squad: signing players that make your starting eleven, your squad players. Yeah, particularly when you're at our level. It, I mean, ASO does improve the squad. We've released two backup fullbacks, and we would have been looking at oh, twenty five to thirty million plus to improve on target or cash, and it would have been a marginal improvement. And there are easier, bigger wins. So Ashley Young was a necessity, and also just genuinely a good signing.
1: There are two other twenty-eight-year-olds in the squad alongside Merton. As Jed Steers, the other one, so these boys won't even be training with him; they'll be down training with the goalkeepers. <laughs> <laughs> and Tyro Mings is the other last one. Who is leading England into the twenty twenty two World Cup? It's, it's, it's a good. It's an interesting question. All right. Um... It, it it actually I suppose it just depends on how the rest of this tournament goes. I I still think it'll be Southgate, but like the the real possibility is they'll get they'll get the result against Czech Republic. They just need to draw now, really, to get top right, and then that's Sam facing Sam facing probably Portugal or France in the next round, and I I can't see them going past that. Is that is that going to be a lot of pressure on Southgate then? I I think. He talks enough shit. <laughs> I think he talks enough shit from a football point of view. He's got the semi-final feat from the World Cup and he's held himself really well with off-the-field stuff over the last few months. I think he'll still have enough credit in the bank to take him into the World Cup and then that will be it.
0: I, I, I But I think English fans and, again, particularly media, they have to get real with themselves. I mean, I heard people talking beforehand saying, you know, you can't say in the same sentence that you think England will get to the to last four, but you also think that France or Portugal are going to win it because you're going to end up playing France or Portugal. England have to be competing with France and Portugal. Yeah. Like, they can't just get knocked out by them, which is what's going to happen. They have to be competing with them. And I understand why people are saying France and Portugal, because their players are brilliant. So are England's. England's squad is insanely good. Yeah. Trent Alexander-Arnold crawled into the squad. Gareth Southgate didn't want him. Reese James is brilliant. Kyle Walker is brilliant. John Stones had a really good year. Tyrone Mings. Tournament football is made for Tyrone Mings. Because he doesn't have 45 games where he can just have three cock-ups in it. If Tyrone Mings stays involved in a game the whole way through it, he's absolutely fucking brilliant. Luke Shaw is brilliant. The goalkeeper is dodgy. That's a bad position for England. Decton Rice, Calvin Phillips, which is normally Jordan Henderson. England are a class team. Yeah. And if people name all these Portuguese players, none of them are any better than the English players. <laughs> Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Mason Mount, Harry Kane. These players are unbelievable. And it sounds good to say Fernandes, Jota, but are, are they any better then the England players they're not England have to be competing with these teams and they need a manager to do it.
1: Really shows you though the, the mentality like, the, like that idea that as soon as you face one of those decent sides, then that's it, it's over. Like that, that has to stop. But it has to stop that it's an automatic elimination when you meet anybody from Croatia 2018 up. Like every time England meet portugal germany like and everybody just accepts it like that's it it's over the tournament's over then it's, it's how far we can get before we meet one of those and that's honestly maybe that was good enough for the england teams of the past and maybe that's what everybody enjoyed outside of england because it was always fun watching watching this train head towards playing a better team but no these teams aren't better than england like exactly. you know not saying england are automatically better but like it's about time now that they they started competing. It can't just be when we play them, we're done. Yeah, and like and like but even think about it as well. The Portuguese defense
0: if people keep talking about England's defence being dodgy. Pepe still plays for Portugal. Pepe starts centre half for Portugal.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well we're gonna have a lot more fun with this. Let's see what the Czech Republic game has in store. Um so we'll be back probably probably on Tuesday, but um, we might we might knock the hunt out before then, but we'll see see how it's going. Um, yeah, let's discuss that
0: with me beforehand.
1: <laughs> uh, if you're enjoying the show, please get in touch on Twitter, The Villa Podcast, and yeah, get us on email as well, thevillapodcast at gmail.com. Oh, and actually, if you've made it this far, a little treat for you. If you go to look1977.com, lovely menswear store, you can use the discount code VIMAN. That's Andy Vyman, but the code is just Vyman um, and you get 20% off there. So don't say we never give you anything after all this. So well done if you got to here and got that code and uh, keep in touch and we'll see you soon. All the best.